The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You are now about to take a journey with professional advisors Ken Smith and Ethan Broga on Empirical Investing Radio. To connect with Empirical Investing Radio, please call 1-866-472-5790. Fasten your seatbelts. You're going to need them. Just because the hosts have a sense of humor does not mean their advice won't change your life. Good afternoon and welcome to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken and Ethan. I'm Ken Smith, one of your hosts, certified financial planner, and I have a master's degree in financial analysis. Ethan Broga sitting next to me. Good afternoon, Ethan. Hey, Ken. Ethan is a very famous and powerful talk show host, uh, financial, bigger than Susie Orman, I think, um, and uh, very well accomplished. It's good to see you. Ethan is a certified financial planner with a master's degree in financial analysis, and we're both partners in Seattle-based wealth management company. Empirical Wealth Management, this show is designed to share with you prudent investing and financial planning ideas to help you make a lifetime of smarter financial decisions, and in many cases, with the appropriate planning, multiple lifetimes. Exactly. Ethan, before we deep dive into today's various financial topics, would you mind giving out our contact information, telling us a little bit about what you like to do in your spare time, and uh, giving out the contact information, but also... You bet. What we can do for clients and investors. Well, I can I can barely hold myself together here. You're on a roll. I love it. Yeah. Well Good done. Fuego. Well done. Uh, well, first of all, first things first. Let's let's talk about the contact information. Uh, if you'd like to join the show or reach us, uh, feel free to do that. We'd, we'd happily uh, have you on the air. Uh, a number here is eight six six four seven two five seven five seven nine zero. Or if you prefer email, you can reach us at. Contact at EMPIRadio.com. And, uh, yeah, we'd be happy to, to chat with you today. Uh, also, if you're or an, an individual investor out there, perhaps looking for some help as to what to do with your investments or you're looking toward retirement, uh, maybe you just want to set something as simple as a second opinion on your current plan, or if you're looking to develop one uh, specifically for retirement, we would love to get together and tell you more about what we can do for you specifically and how we might be able to help. And to do that, just give us a call here at the Empirical Towers in downtown Seattle at 206-923-3474. Or you can simply go to our website, too, uh, empirical.net. Poke around there a little bit. There's a lot of things on there uh, with regards to retirement and and investment strategies and things. But we'd love to uh, hear from you as well. That Uh, sounds pretty good, Ethan. All right, I got my computer back online here. We were were shut down for a second. Ethan, while I'm uh, restarting everything... um, do you want to give us a quick market update? What's going on? Well, today is making pretty, money. Today is a historic day. It is uh, historic. It is uh, amazing. Back to, to me. report that the Dow Jones did it close above uh, sixteen thousand today. It did, right? This is a really exciting news. I mean, market's been doing very, very well recently. 
Yeah, that is pretty uh, wacky, wild stuff, Ethan. There we are. Yeah, sixteen thousand and nine. Wow, pretty pretty incredible. One hundred nine points up. S and P's breaking at, records at or all time highs. Uh, Smashing highs. historical records. That's true. <laughs> Well, I mean, we established a new record not too long ago, so I'm not sure it's a smashing, but it's definitely an all-time high, right? Yeah. Pretty pretty exciting stuff. Um, looking across the broader market, I'll maybe just recap the Dow Jones. So it's mm-hmm. up 22% for the year uh, so far, which is, uh, again, a pretty good, pretty good return. S&P is up 25% for the year. Looking at some other asset classes out there, uh, the Dow Jones and S&P primarily are large-cap U.S. stocks. Uh, there are other things out there. Large cap value, as an example, is up actually 28% this year. Uh, we have small cap stocks in the U.S., uh, small cap growth up 37%. Amazing returns there. Small cap value up 29%. International also doing very well this year, although not quite as good as the U.S. stocks. Uh, large cap international up about 18%. Large cap value up 19%. These are international stocks. Uh, and the large cap international growth up to 18%. Um, emerging markets still lagging behind the rest of them at negative 4.6% so far year to date, although it has come back here uh, recently. And then uh, the global stock market up 19% year to date. Pretty good returns across the board, Ken. That is pretty good. Well, thank you. I didn't have a lot to do with that. You know, I, 40 minutes here. Well, you helped me to stay on track. I didn't sell one investment this year. Um, I've I've stayed focused and uh, kept rebalancing, stuck with your globally positioned portfolios, and uh, I'm pretty happy with the results. Well, very good. I'm not going to lie to you. How a pleasure. (laughs) Nice work, Ethan. Uh, One little gold, by the way, because I have that out of here, just one last thing. Uh, Mm. Down down 25.8% year to date. So a little maybe surprising for some people, I suppose, but not a great period of time for gold. I know a lot of people aren't happy that that loaded up on it last year. Um, I mean, that's that's about a uh, I don't know, almost fifty percent difference between the return of the global equity market and gold. Right? Okay, okay, that's enough, Simon. Come on. Okay, what else you got? Oh, well, this is happening. Yeah, that's uh, a, that's a stock market update anyway. So what we'll probably see a lot more of, and I'm just listen to me now or hear me later, Ethan. All right, Hans. Um, what we'll be seeing a lot of uh, from you know this point and and on. Mm-hmm. Write it down. But you're going to see in C- on CNBC and all the financial websites and all the news letter letter writers and all the gurus and the, the freaky deekies and um, everybody out there it, that hey w- is the market way overvalued and is now the time the smart buyers are going to be getting out. I don't think you'd have to search very hard. I'm not even looking, but I've been through this now enough times that that's going to be the 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 the, the pressing issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we do have a little bit of a decline, then all the I told you so guys are going to come running out of the closet. Um, my what what's your advice about that, Ethan? Is now a good time to be getting it? Do you think it's overvalued? Um, do you think that the the data belies the Movement in the market, the economic data. Well, there's no there's no argument that the the market, specifically in the U.S., is at an all time high. Well, you know that is a fact. Mm-hmm. Um, the real relevant question, though, is is to say is, is that is the price too high? Uh, and the way you measure that isn't just simply on an absolute price level. You have to measure it versus something else. In this case, I think the best way to measure it is price to earnings. 
So in other words, if the current price is justified based on the current earnings from the S&P or the Dow Jones or whatever index you're talking about. And in that regard, I, I, I understand that, and we track these things pretty regularly here at Empirical, and in that regard, they're, they're around their historical averages. So that would indicate, uh, no, things so aren't. What are you saying over. about justifying? Um, to justify the current price levels. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying that, is it reasonable? I mean, that to, to support the current prices. And the oh, way you measure that is, well, is it, is it versus earnings? Which is the best way to do it? Because maybe the prices are going up because things are more valuable. In other words, if corporations are earning more money, their prices of stock should be worth more money than they were a year ago, or two years ago, or three years ago, or than any time in the past. That's how it works. So it isn't an absolute basis; it's a relative basis that matters. All right. I mean, what do you think, Ken? Yeah, I think the best thing you can do is uh, what's worked very well for us now over decades is. Make sure that you revisit your asset allocation. Look for any areas of excess in the market. If, if, uh, do not get caught up in uh, off-the-wall strategies. And um, so, you know, if, if 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 you're looking at particular sectors of the market, uh, you're on the wrong track, in my view. I think if you maintain a worldwide, globally diversified mix of stocks and bonds, and you rebalance it, and you make sure not you're not overexposed to any. Uh, one particular investment asset class. And uh, we were just talking about gold. That, that's a good example. I mean, if you maintained a certain percentage of it and rebalanced to it, you probably, some studies I've seen show that gold can help manage the volatility of a portfolio without dramatically reducing the return. However, by itself, it hasn't been the, the best returning asset class over the last hundred or so years. It has its time and its spurts of of appreciation, but um, the the real issue, right, where you would get burned is that you wound up putting all of your money into it last year, rather than, or you increased it because you believed the the hype and the meat in the news or the more of the advertisements. I guess they're not really news guys, but um, and that's where it gets dangerous. I think, you mm-hmm. know, is chasing those returns. Um, so I I wouldn't react to. You know, you're, you're better off sticking to your financial plan, and um, and again, not saying that you blindly in, invest, regardless of what the value is, valuations are. But as you pointed out, um, things may be a little more expensive than they were a year ago, but they're not out of control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there you have it. <laughs> very good. Very good. I think as always, one thing just to add to that, yeah, you definitely want to structure the portfolio based on your need ability uh, to take risk, right? I mean, if your needs have changed over the last year, that might cause some portfolio re- repositioning. But if your time frame and need for the money has not changed, uh, I think sticking with your, your diversified, well-thought-out approach is uh, likely, like, more likely than not to get you where you want to go over time. Yeah. Okay. I'm just warning you. I, I know that that's what you're going to see a lot more of, uh, those types of particles. I'll keep my eye out for it. Keep your eyes peeled and stay focused, Ethan. <laughs> All right, we'll do. You know, we're trying. We're trying to do something good for you. All right. Well, I think we've got a couple minutes, Ethan. We, you've um, you, you you had a couple of art- articles here that um, your your people were forwarding, and uh, one was the year end tax trap. I know the last couple of weeks you were talking about some year end financial planning strategies and. Um, 
I don't know. I thought we could kind of cruise through this year-end tax trap for fund investors article that you that you handed me was with stock prices up uh, this year. Many investors may be thinking about pouring more money into stock mutual funds. Yeah. Um, so let's let's do that. It looks like we had a couple minutes. You want me to keep going? Yeah, let's do it. So uh, Tom Herman here. He says, "Be careful before investing large amounts of of." Uh, Money in a taxable account over the next few weeks, consider doing some research to make sure you don't get caught in a classic year-end tax trap that often surprises mutual fund investors. Mutual funds typically announce capital gains distributions in late November and December. If you're investing for a taxable account, check to see whether the fund you're invested in is planning to make a distribution in coming weeks, and if so, how large and when. Many funds post this information on their website. Keep in mind that those distributions typically are taxable. If you invest now and get a hefty distribution before the year end, those capital gains are partly a return of your investment that you nonetheless owe taxes on for the year. Mm-hmm. If that payout would result <clears throat> in a significant tax hit, well then I'm going to tell you what, Ethan, you consider delaying that investment in that fund until after the date to qualify for the distribution. All right. That sounds reasonable. Or check here to see uh, check to see if the sim- if there are similar funds that aren't planning large taxable payouts. But don't allow tax issues to replace investment considerations. Uh, that's what most advisors say. Investors should remember tax considerations should not play a more prominent role than their strategic plan. That says uh, that Stuart Ritter down there at the uh, T Rowe Price. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, the market timing. Um, you know, waiting to invest and potentially miss out on gains has not proven to be effective. We got to take a quick break. When we do, let's give our comments about this year in tax trap, Ethan. Okay. Coming back at you, Empirical Investing Radio, right after this break. You'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at EmpiricalFS.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. Did you ever stop to think that financial health can be a lot like physical health? The financial physician, Luz Katigna, has helped people on the radio for nearly 15 years. And now he's part of the Voice America Business Channel. By using medical analogies to discuss financial solutions, Lou actually makes the process easier to understand and will help you chart your own financial fitness. Tune in to The Financial Physician, live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time, and on demand anytime on the Voice America Business Channel. 
We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. All right, welcome back to the show, Uh, Empirical Investing Radio, your host here, Ethan Broga, alongside Ken Smith, um, entering our second segment of the day. And we just finished up an article uh, in the last segment called Year-End Tax Trap for Fund Investors um, from Tom Herman. And Ken, we read the article. Let's go over some questions and comments, uh, things you have in your mind about it. Yeah, let's just do that. I was uh, reading a couple of other articles here, Ethan, but um, yeah, what I'm saying is that's... That's not a, a bad, it's a timely um, article, and it's not a bad idea to know what those distributions are. Uh, what I would be cognizant of is, particularly if you're looking at buying some sort of actively managed mutual fund with a lot of turnover. Right. Which, to solve that problem, I think you should talk to us because we would give you all the empirical reasons why you would not want to do that in the first place any time of year. There's no good time of year to do that. But <laughs> um, if you if you were just uh, dead set on doing it or you, you were being uh, forced to do it um, in a taxable account, then I would definitely let take a look uh, and try to get that estimate. And in the meantime, um, the, the big risk here would be, hey, if I had a 1% tax cost, just as an example for being in that fund and receiving the distribution, is that worth, at what cost is it worth being out of the market? Right. Well, the market could easily move 1% in a single day, sure. um, give or take. And over the short run, it's 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 pretty tough to figure that out. But um, that's something you want to you want to consider. And what you could consider is using an alternative, very tax-efficient ETF that is an index um, for that particular fund. But be careful when you're switching in and out of things. You don't trigger any wash sale rules. Mm-hmm. So if you have a great financial advisor, an advisor that, uh, I don't know, maybe looks like Ethan. Um, Fair enough. No, not so much looks like, but but thinks like you do. Even, um, even better. That would, that would be the perfect combination if you could get both, but, but let's just say they thought like you. Um, one of the things that we try to do and we think everyone should do is review that. And here's a strategy for you, Ethan. What if you owned a particular fund? Because what he's talking about is you have a large amount of cash. Right. And you've been enticed. You've been titillated by the, market's by up. the market frenzy that's sure, been sure. going on mm-hmm. um, You know, over the last few years. You've been sitting on the sidelines, maybe. I don't know. Uh, or or in, 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 in a PIMCO bond fund or something. Mm-hmm. And now you're ready to, to, you're getting charged up because, hey, finally the market's come back. And I'm ready to get in. Right. Um, if that was your situation, you've got this large amount of cash. Because, and I, just joking with you guys and guys being being listeners here, there's been a lot of constant talk about how much cash is on on the side. All the way the, the way that the entire time this market has been recovering. Yeah. 
I heard something like ten trillion dollars is what I saw. Enormous amounts, right, of yeah. uh, of cash and why it's there. Um, I'm not exactly sure, but uh, it still has to come back into the market, and a lot a lot of cash was flying into bond funds for a while. Mm-hmm. But let's assume there is a large amount of cash that's just itching to get back in, uh, and the market's already gone up as much as it has. Um, there, the issue he's talking about in this article is just, hey, I, should I put it in now or should I wait till after the fund makes its taxable distribution? Because if it if it was a ten thousand, uh, say it's a hundred thousand dollar investment, okay, and it made a ten percent distribution, so you you got ten ten grand. Yeah, that'd be large. A taxable distribution. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you're large. You're in charge. And um, in reality, you still have a hundred thousand, but now you're you're being taxed on ten grand that right. got distributed. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he's saying, "Hey, that's not that's not good." Um, yeah, if you can avoid it, you probably wouldn't want to do that. That doesn't make me happy. So, yeah, if you if, if, if you could avoid that, you might want to do that. Um, well, that's one thing. Another thing would be. Hey, I, I'm holding on to various investment funds, and um, what if I had a what if I had a loss on the value of the fund? And that may be tricky here in the last few months. Yeah, um, I'm sharing something that would you'd want to know over the year again over your lifetime. That's smarter. Right. Uh, what if I had a fund that actually went down in value, and on top of it, while the price may have dropped recently, but it, it had a lot of uh, appreciation or capital gains that it was taking throughout the year prior to it, it dropping let's say you bought it a month ago and the market happened to drop but it had already done a bunch of rebalancing and had realized a lot of capital gains uh-huh. for whatever reason mm-hmm. well now you have a double opportunity because you could sell the fund lock in the tax loss and avoid the, the taxable distribution on the fund you get you see what i'm saying i do uh, that would be one opportunity. That's interesting. Something to think about. Or you just bought a fund and and, and you hadn't, um, again, it hasn't gone anywhere. What you probably wouldn't want to do is have a fund that's gone up in value and then sell it to avoid the gain the gain distribution. Yeah, um, right. Uh, like the short term was Yeah. So if you bought it nine months ago, let's mm-hmm. say, or something that goes up mm-hmm. because the year has been very good so far, yeah. uh, you, you have a maybe a 20% increase in value. You sell it today, though, you're going to realize short-term capital gains. It hasn't been any longer than a year. That wouldn't be good, just to avoid that distribution. Well, what if it's this, Ethan? You, I was sitting in a presentation, I believe it was yesterday, with an expert who was talking about various retirement techniques. Oh, um, where was this? It was just down here in Seattle, downtown Seattle, Oh, right at the Wild Ginger. Hey, that's where I was. I was at the oh, Wild Ginger. Hey. Kind of a grizzly guy, um, a <laughs> little sketchy, kind of fluffy hair. He doesn't use any moose or anything. I don't, anyway, like, I don't like a lot of hair products. <laughs> anyway, anyway um, this guy was talking about this exemption for certain people on capital gains taxes. Yes, that's right. Now, let's talk about that real quick in context with this. Okay. Because now you got a bundle of cash. Yeah. You want to get in the market. You want to get in the game. Right. But you're worried about these distributions. But But maybe there's another way you could say, hey, I don't have to worry. Yeah. I'll take that distribution. I don't mind. Yeah, you basically in this case. How would that work out? So, am I in the presentation? And uh, yeah, I, I, it was our, our presentation. I was the one given the presentation. Oh, okay. Um, and it was about this idea of the. That's right. That's how we do presentations sometimes. Um, it was about long-term capital gains uh, tax and how to how to get a zero tax rate on those monies. And again, we've talked about this a little bit in the past, but here's the rule: basically, if you're in the fifteen percent tax bracket or less, 
any gains you long-term capital gains you realize that doesn't exceed the 15% bracket means you'll pay zero long-term capital gains tax. So in this case, let's say you had 100,000 bucks, and let's <coughs> say you're in the 15% tax bracket. Maybe your taxable income is 50 grand, something like that. Okay. So you invest, you invest 100 grand like you did before, and you get a $10,000 distribution before the end of the year. Normally, you'd say, well, that's not great. But in this case, because you're in the 15% tax bracket, and let's assume the 10,000 bucks, the gain that you're getting uh, forced upon you, is long-term capital gains, not short-term. Uh-huh. In that case, you'd still pay no tax. You'd pay zero tax. You'd be getting a, a step-up in basis, and there'd be no problem. Because that's the rule right now. Would you be beating the tax man? <laughs> pretty, pretty handily, I would say. But the issue is, if it's, if it's short-term capital gains, the short-term capital gains don't count for this. So let's say the ten thousand bucks was short-term capital gains. Oh, now you're talking. Well, then you'd still have to pay. Uh, uh, in this case, it'd be ordinary income tax, which would only be in this case fifteen percent or equal to the long-term capital gains tax rate. But still, you wouldn't be able to avoid it. Wouldn't count for the tax-free. Yeah, we got to figure this out. To the tax-free part of it. So that's that could work. So it could work for you. Definitely could work for so you. So you definitely want to know what those, whether you're holding the funds um, or you're thinking about buying the equity funds. And even if they're index funds or passive funds, you still want to know because they, they do distribute yeah, gains as well. They do too. Um, and I know some of the ETFs have not in, in for multiple years. They've been able to avoid that. So um, like a, a lot of them. Yeah. Because of the nature of how they're structured, which is, you know, which is nice. But um, you'd want to check either way. It's better to know than not know, that's for yeah. sure. And it and does take do. a little work. Uh, I would do. say this, if you have, let's say, for example, you're evaluating a, a fund. Um, it's today, what is today? November 21st, right? Let's say this, you're evaluating a fund and it pays, it pays their distribution maybe on the 15th of December or something. Mm. So you have a long ways away, you know, almost <clears> you know, three weeks or so, four weeks, something like that. That's a long period of time. I, I, given that period of time, I think I'd just be willing to, to, to take the distribution and decide to keep the fund or not as it, the time approaches to make the decision. Yes. You don't want to be out of the market for money that should be in the market. And so you have like three weeks or four weeks before that's going to be made. Mm-hmm. What you can do is, hey, the day before the, the... Look at what you got. Yeah, look at what you got. What's the gain or loss between now and the time that the dividend or the distribution is going to be paid? And then at that point, make a decision to hold it or not hold it. But be invested in the market. I don't think you'd, you'd, you shouldn't be invested uh, in the market um, just to avoid the gains in the future. Um, so it, let me make sure I understand what you're saying is... There's another idea. You buy the fund. You just know when the date is for the distribution. You make sure you're going to check it. Yeah, the record, date of record. You go ahead and buy that fund. You know, if it goes up, hey, that's great. Hey, that's pretty good. You're in a happy place. Yeah, right? it goes up. Because otherwise you were sitting in cash. Right. If that was the alternative. Right. So you're not so upset if you paid, if you, if you wind up. Now, if it goes down, that's where you get the double whammy I was telling you about. Yeah, you go ahead and self realize the loss. You also then also avoid right the, the distribution itself. Mm-hmm. So you actually have a tax loss to, to show in the books, and you can just buy it back. Well, you got thirty days to wait, I guess, if you realize the loss. But in the meantime, you can buy an alternative investment that's very similar in nature to avoid the wash sale. Um. Okay. Okay. I think I got that down, Ethan. Interesting. Yeah, it's not bad. You're coming up with some pretty good stuff um, on this tax situation. Yeah, I think the I think the biggest thing there was something else, but go ahead. Maybe I'll talk for a second. You think about yes, it. please do. I think the the biggest thing is, you know, as you approach the end of the year, if you actually do have money in cash that that should be deployed for long term purposes, i.e., stocks, it's better to get the money working sooner than later. We all would agree with that, generally speaking, right? Um, so that's number number one. As again, as the date approaches for these capital gains distributions, well, you should be aware of them, and if you're not, then you know, 
hopefully maybe working with an advisor who is like us. We're aware of that sort of thing. And we're, we're going to be evaluating you know, whether to hold. If, if, if clients just got invested, for example, today, we have a new client on board and they just invested today in a taxable account. Well, you can be darn certain that by before the X date here, we're going to be checking those accounts to make sure that, hey, whether we want to receive the di- distribution or not. Now, Ethan, you were talking uh, yesterday about this for those in lower incomes. I mean, you could be fairly wealthy, but manage your, your, your affairs in such a way that you're in a low income. And I have a question. We're going to have to take a break, though. Oh, okay. Well, keep everyone on the edge. See, I have a question, though, about real estate transactions. Okay. Um, so let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back on Empirical Investing Radio. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. Are you a decision maker in your organization, a mid-level manager, or a team member? Stepping Stones to Everyday Success with host Kimberly Stewart is a program designed to provide you with tidbits and tools you need to achieve results no matter where you are in your organizational structure. Interaction is key, and you'll have opportunities to share your ideas, comments, and questions. Listen to Stepping Stones to Everyday Success, live every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. All right, welcome back to the show, Empirical Investing Radio. Your host here, Ethan Broga, alongside uh, Ken Smith. Uh, if you'd like to join the show, by all means, give us a call. We can be reached at 866-472-5790 or via email as well at contact at empiradio.com. And mm-hmm. Ken, we were just having an interesting conversation about, uh, well, taxes <laughs> uh, just a minute ago. Let's, let's revisit that. Let's, 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 uh, yeah. What's next here? All right, well, one of the things in the presentation I was listening to about this taking if you have a smaller income and we've been doing uh, some also some seminars for people who are in higher income brackets going over all the 
recent uh, tax changes. So I would recommend you check in with us if you're interested in that. High income, low income, um, and I was just saying you can you can be, have quite a bit of wealth and manage your affairs in such a way that you keep yourself in a low income bracket. That's true. That's true. You know, and that's what guys like Warren Buffett are saying. Hey, I I can you know, basically if he never worked, he could live off his investments, get a lot of appreciation, and or structure it with tax free uh, investments. Not a bad deal. Not a bad deal. But um, Anyway, we were talking about the real estate. One of the questions came up is, hey, can you use, if you can recognize those gains tax-free, does that work with real estate? And you said, yeah, capital gains of any kind, I believe is what you said. Yeah, that's true. Low long-term capital gains, yes. Whether it's real estate or investment portfolio, doesn't doesn't matter. And um, so, yeah, but the issue that I, I was thinking of is, you know, one of the one of the downsides when you get involved with private real estate Buying a piece of of property with a building on it directly mm-hmm. is you're pretty much committed to that full investment until you're not. Right. You know, there are certain things you can do um, to to maybe change it, sell it, sell it as partnership units or something of that nature. But for most people, you go out, you buy a house, for example, an investment property or an apartment, and you put it in your own name. Um. And, and and now you got yourself a situation where, hey, what if you wanted half that money out? Or in this case, if you're trying to take advantage of that capital gains rule, you have to, you sell the whole property and it has an, a gain in it that's well in excess of the maximum seventy two five. Is that the number you? Yes, yeah. for joint for joint filers. Um, you, you're you're really not getting the full use of that. Where if you were invested in a publicly traded REIT, for example. Which kind of trades like a stock. Um, one of the advantages is you could sell one share if you want. You could sell any amount of that real estate that you want, and proportionally, uh, you still own an interest in hundreds of properties, mm-hmm. not just a single property. Right. Um, so, in a lot of a lot of cases, it it may make sense to get a good chunk of your real estate exposure in a diversified, uh, publicly traded REIT of sorts. And not just a single REIT, but I even like buying a fund that invests in multiple REITs. Right. And you really are getting the breadth of the market in that area. And historically, those REITs have done very well. Mm-hmm. I'll, um, I'll pull up some numbers for you in our next, while we're working on the next segment, just to give you a little, you know, just a little sampler. <laughs> Ethan, just a little sample. Sounds good. Um, okay. So that, that's just something I wanted to point out about that year in tax planning stuff. Uh, as it relates to this mutual fund distribution situation. Yeah. What else you got in the hopper, Ethan? Oh, this other article here, five retirement myths that could cost you big time. And uh, it doesn't say big time, but I'm throwing that in for you. A few false assumptions can ruin years of planning. I love reading these types of articles and then talking about it. It's good stuff. Mm -hmm. It's good, clean fun. Mm -hmm. Um. Hey, what was your tri- trivia question, Ethan? Real quick, let's take a trivia break. Well, you know, I'll, we get into this. Well, I, I'll ask. I'll answer your question directly. <laughs> okay. The first one was, what was the first year in which you could contribute to a Roth IRA? Mm. Don't give us the answer. If you know that, and you email contact at empiradio.com. That's contact at empiradio. Right. First one that emails us the correct answer. It won't take you long to find it. That's for sure. <laughs> it's, oh, a, it's a fairly boy. easy question. Uh, you're you're going to get something very exciting. All right. What are you going to get? 
you, a free fifty trillion dollars. Fifty trillion dollars in Bobway note. Yes, that's what you've been handing out. That's correct. Um, one of those, a fifty trillion dollars in Bobway note, and also one of our favorite uh, investment books. Oh, even better. So, um, we'll pick out a good one for you. All right, totally gratis, including postage. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll ship it out. Wow, we'll put it on your personal charge card and very uh, generous. Deduct it accordingly. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, that'd be pretty cool. So think about that trivia. Um, anyway, five retirement myths that could cost you big time, and the big times remember. Emphasis added. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, this was also off the Wall Street Journal, and uh, Tom Larsella. And it says many people, as they approach retirement, they think they've got it all figured out. That they should think again, my friend, mi amigo. Misplaced confidence is common throughout life. But retirement is something else. People spend years, sometimes decades, planning for it. For many, there is a calendar with a date in the future on which they plan to punch out of work for that last time. (laughs) Um, Budgets are crafted, portfolio returns compounded, and dreams take shape for how the money and time will be spent. Oh, yeah. But for most of these retirees, a fair number of these plans... Expectations and perceptions will run into quite a different reality. Here are five things that retirees think they know about this new period of their life uh, that will unfold, but they actually don't, Ethan. Numero uno. One of the biggest disconnects for retirees is between the date they expect to retire and when they actually leave their full-time job. This is more than just a question of when that first tea time will be. Increasingly, financial plans rely on saver, the saver working well past 65 to avoid running out of money during retirement. One quarter of workers expect to retire at age 70 or later. I know you want to work till you're at least 80, Ethan. That's the plan. Um, you're, uh, you're, you're, you're very energetic, and uh, I know you like to, to keep focused. And an additional 35% expect to retire at age 65, through 69. According to the data from the Washington, D.C.-based Employee Benefit Research Institute, however, some 70% of retirees actually stop working before they turn 65. You know, we have some employees in their 20s and 30s that I think have already done that. (laughs) We just haven't fixed the payroll glitch just yet. (laughs) I'm just kidding, of course. Just a joke. Very Otherwise, you fall asleep during this stuff. Right. 70% of these retirees actually stop before they turn 65. Among the biggest reasons are health problems, mm. Ethan. Not, not that they even want to. That's too bad. But they, there could be health issues, and that seems reasonable. There's this idea that there is a silver bullet to work to age 70, and you will be fine. But that's not the case for many, says Jack Denerhe, uh, research director at EBRI. Now, um, how do you feel about that, Ethan? Let's just take a taco time out here on number one. Um, that there's this idea that it's a silver bullet to work to age seventy. I, I meet very few people that want um, to work until age seventy. I, I'm wondering if yeah, I think it's the what demographic they're or where they're getting that. And how do you feel about that? I think that's changed over the re- recent years. Most folks have going through the uh, 08 and 09. Uh, most folks who are approaching retirement probably have decided uh, that they want to work a little longer just because of that. 
put themselves in a better financial position to to thoroughly enjoy retirement once once they do stop working. So I think that's changed relative to say 15 years ago. I think that would be accurate. Uh, it's more more I think more and more people are looking toward later pushing retirement back a, a bit later. I'm not sure how the statistics bear out in our practice or uh, here in Seattle, but I, generally I'd say it's more people are, are are thinking about doing that. Okay. You're saying more people are thinking about doing delaying what working later, working till but e- even seventy. I, but do you think people think it's a silver bullet? I guess that's the part that kind of shocks uh, me. I think that may um, be an overstatement. I think they're working to that age because they do probably view that to some degree. Hey, if I work that long, I'm going to be financially better better off and have my retirement safer. You know, have a safer retirement financially anyway. I think it's probably true. Well, so I don't well, know how the, how silver the opposite could be true. Yeah, I don't know either. But a silver bird, I'm not sure uh, I'd say it that way. But. So maybe what, what we're saying is, hey, that a lot of, because such a large percentage is... Um, Seventy uh, percent retirees stop retiring, but one quarter expect to retire at age seventy, and an additional thirty-five percent expect to retire at age sixty-five through sixty-nine. Um, the, I guess I'm confused as what the silver bullet is about that. That that um, there's this idea that it's a silver bullet to work to age sixty and you'll be fine. I, I don't. It's it's hard to go through the myths when I'm not sure that they are myths. Like I don't, I think a lot of people who are financially struggling or don't know where they're going to get money for retirement, I don't think they go. Well, the, the the silver bullet here is that I'll work till seventy and I'll be fine. I think they still feel like, hey, that's not cool. I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. It's a function of, geez, I'm, I probably may have to do that because I have no money. Uh, yeah, you know, I haven't put any money away earlier. Right. And they may be recognizing that now as they're in their 50s and 60s that I don't have enough in, a, in an account or a series of investment accounts because I, I didn't go to the six secrets of retirement success. That's right. I didn't take advantage of all that stuff. But, um, okay, but let's, let's, you know what I mean? I do. I guess let's go on. All right. Um, now, my, my approach to life, you know, we're getting off of traditional investment planning here. Well, my approach to life about all this is why not develop a plan that you can become financially independent as quickly as possible within the means and the options and the abilities that you have? You see what I'm saying? And so it doesn't mean that we can all go out and earn millions of dollars and that's our solution, although I think anything is possible. And only in America, Ethan, do you have as much opportunity as you do here. True enough. Uh, Don King will tell you that. And... um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, he would. I'm sure he would. <laughs> but, but that's a separate situation. I think the average person in America with the standard living that we have now, and I know there's a lot of debate about all that, but if you can get yourself into a reasonable, a reasonably good position, average position, if you take every step possible to, to save and to invest and, and avoid paying taxes and losing tax opportunities, and one way, for example, is I have a 401k where my company – offers a match, and I don't put anything in it. That That's an example of losing or not taking advantage of tax. Sure. It's not always offshore trust funds, you know, like <laughs> yeah. we hear about so much in the media and politicians. Right, right. That's true. And all that. Sometimes it's very basic things. I'll, hey, I qualify while I'm in a lower income. I actually qualify to put money in a Roth, where wealthier, higher income people don't mm-hmm. have those. So there are some things in our system, I believe, that help help put 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 those um, opportunities back in place and map out a strategy that says, 
with the lifestyle that I've, I, I'm willing and capable of living at, how can I develop a plan and think through a plan that gets me financially independent as quickly as possible? And hopefully, for mo- most people, we could help them design a plan or they could get a plan that would be before age 70. Right, uh, That'd right, be right. something that would make me very happy. Sure. Uh, you know, we've got to take one more quick break. We'll come back to the rest of these retirement myths and, and what their solution is uh, right after this break. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. In sales, are you a lion or a vulture? Lions don't wait. They just go for it. Vultures hang around until the lions are finished and just pick up the scraps. How can you set yourself apart as a lion? Join the other aspiring sales lions and listen to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something with host Ty Maynard. You'll learn the tips and strategies of top sales professionals. You'll gain more clients at a faster rate and at higher margins. If you're a sales professional, business owner, or executive, listen in every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. Okay, we're back, Empirical Investing Radio. Your host here, Ethan Broga, alongside Ken Smith, and just finishing up an article about uh, the five retirement myths that could cost you a bundle. Emphasis has been added by us. Um, Ken, mm-hmm. we're on, on to step number two here. Number, number, number uh, Well, yeah, okay. Uh, let's take a look at that. Um, we were talking about this whole silver bullet age seventy, and I, I guess I kind of see. I want to. I was a little harsh there going into the break, but I, I do see where someone could say, "Hey." One of my fallback plans is that I can just work longer yeah, right. until seventy, and the and the potential issue with that, because he points out, hey, a lot of people can't because of health issues, is well, if if you if you're not capable because of health, that bullet has just been uh, 
has just been uh, taken out of the whole, out of the out of the chamber, right. as it were. That's true, and that's a good point. Don't don't, and and it goes exactly in line with my life philosophy. It's just he try to develop a plan that you become financially independent as quickly as possible, and then take the right steps to preserve and protect that, mm-hmm. because you never know when your income earning ability will be hindered or changed or altered or removed permanently. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think and so. So you've, you've got to listen to me here again, Ethan, or, or hear me later. <laughs> um, I think people, because we don't like to face our own mortality and the issues around that, we make a lot of financial decisions um, and, and we do it without putting a lot of deep thought into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and And I think that's something that we assume we'll have plenty of time to save for retirement, you know, but right now I want to enjoy this or that. Or in the in the opposite, well, I mean, I'm probably not going to live that long anyway. Um, and a lot of people who take that approach really have no basis for that other than it conveniently fits, I guess, the model they're working with. But my encouragement to you is um, plan that you'll live a long, healthy life and and build a build a plan to get become financially independent as quickly as possible. Uh, because one, you'll probably live a longer and healthier life if you do that. You won't be as stressed as most of us are about the day-to-day handling of our financial affairs. Mm-hmm. Um, that is very Susie Orman-like, Ethan. That's true. Um, I think I don't know. So number two, he says, "What to do next?" You just took a buyout. You're retired and weren't expecting it. Um, <laughs> This is from Nancy Strojny, chair of Portland, Maine chapter of SCORE, uh, which provides mentors for small business owners. You need to take a breath, Ethan. Miss mm-hmm. Stojny um, encourages retirees to think outside the box when it comes to how they stay engaged. She gives the example of a financial advisor who, as a hobby, turn a page here, has, uh, has been spending the weekends in the basement workshop. You could volunteer yourself in a shop class at a high school, or if you, uh, you know, if you like a little extra beer money, go down there and get a job at the Home Depot or the or the Ace Hardware. <laughs> Score, which is that national organization supported by the SBA Small Business Association, also provides opportunities for retirees with varied experiences, marketing, finances, or legal, among others, to share what they have learned. It's an opportunity for somebody who really wants to continue being engaged in the business community, especially with young, successful people starting a business, just like you, Ethan, she says. Uh, a search for income, number three. So I guess number two, I'm, I'm not clear what, what that has to do with the uh, retirement myths. How that would cost you. Uh, yeah, I'm not clear. Other than Sometimes taking, these articles don't make a lot of sense. Being forced to uh, take an early retirement. <laughs> I'm not a smart man, Ethan. <laughs> a search for income. Number three, traditionally invest, investing strategies during retirement uh, it revolved around investing for income with a focus on bonds or dividend stocks. And it wasn't long ago a retiree could earn 4 or 5% or more on a safe U.S. government bond. But thanks to your friend, the Federal Reserve policy and a weak economy, that hasn't been true for years. All aboard! And things aren't likely to change in the foreseeable future, Ethan. Brace yourself. Retirees think they need income, but in reality, they need a certain return, regardless of whether it comes from income dividends or capital gains. 
says Brett Horowitz, principal down at Evanski and Katz, Kitty Katz. A problem with the income-only approach is that income yield rises on uh, bonds. Uh, as it as income yields rise on bonds, the client is getting more income, but their net worth is actually going down. He says. So I guess number three is a, that's a myth. I am. I'm, if you retirement myths that could cost you. Uh, uh, go ahead. I take that as a, <clears throat> income is important. But in low, low interest rate environments, it's tough to get the income that you, you might otherwise have in, in a normal interest rate environment. Um, so I think here, I think what you need to do is structure a portfolio that still includes not just a search for purely income, because there there can be risks in concentrating in, in securities that only offer income, right. but diversifying into things that also perhaps have some uh, potential for capital appreciation, i.e. a balanced portfolio probably is more appropriate now than a 100% fixed income portfolio. I believe that's true, Ethan, and I think um, I want to I want to put this out there before you buy an annuity. And we talked about this the other day. That's I got a call message or something. That's an eight percent bonus with a seven percent guaranteed return. Talk to us about it. It's likely not. It's it's not what it seems. Yes, um, I and, and don't be scared into buying uh, a variety of insurance products that, that may or may not be. Relevant to you because you're uh, because you're afraid that incomes yields are too low. Many people, if they've built a overall financial um, portfolio that enables them to retire, even though in spite of current low interest rates, and it may mean that for the next few years, <clears throat> the income that you're deriving out of your portfolio. Uh, it is coming in part from the principle that you've saved. And I think a lot of people think in retirement that that's a horrible thing. Um, it's not necessarily. Particularly if you take um, and and you structure your own annuity, for example, saying, hey, I'm going to draw this chunk of money uh, over the next few years. This is going to cover my income. And where I'm going to replenish that income will be in my more aggressive growth investments that I need throughout retirement because just because you're in retirement doesn't need, mean you don't typically need growth. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless you're fortunate to have saved enough where you don't even need a lot of income or yield off the... Right. But that's we're talking about more of an average retirement scenario. Right. Um, and the temptation that we've talked about is to go out and buy junk bonds or high-yield bonds or... Uh, Rather than appropriately structuring the risk you take across your lifetime into the right buckets, you you, you chase the yield, and as he says, then uh, what good is it if the bond defaults and you have zero left? Maybe you got a year's worth of payments. Uh, that's not a great strategy, right? So uh, it, it definitely takes some serious consideration when you're mapping out a retirement income strategy. It's not something to just do on a free calculator online somewhere. There are a lot of things that need to be accounted for, and, and it should be taken seriously. Indeed. Um, and again, I agree. That just trying to match the yield of a dividend to the amount of money I want to take out is not the best approach to how you design retirement income. Um, either we only got a few seconds, so maybe uh, number four is expensive expenses, and number five, you aren't covered. Um, we'll cover those next week. Uh, if you want to reach us throughout the, the, the 
week, you can contact Ethan and I, and you can email me at ksmith at empirical.net, E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L.net, or give us a call down here at the, at the office, the home office, Ethan, 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. We'd love to get together with you and, uh, and see if we can help you out. Thanks, and have a great week. We'll be back again, same time, next week. We hope you've enjoyed Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and Ethan Broga. Please join us again next Thursday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And for more information about Empirical Investing Radio, please call 800-923-4307. We'll see you next week. 